Welcome to the Sugar Science Podcast, where our mission is to highlight and connect researchers in the type 1 diabetes space. I'm Monica Wesley for the Sugar Science, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Ying Liu at the University of Illinois with her grad students, uh, Paula Leon Plata and Mariam Zarudi. Let's talk a little bit about the grad students first and then about Dr. Liu. Uh, Paula is originally from Columbia, where she got a chemical engineering undergraduate, and she's a newly minted PhD in chemical engineering. Miriam is originally from Iran. She also has an undergraduate degree in chemical engineering, and she's now a fifth-year uh, PhD student in chemical engineering at the University of Illinois, focusing on toroidal spir spiral particles. Um, and just so we can understand the background of uh, Dr. Liu, She's a Princeton PhD with a University of Chicago postdoc, and she's now an associate professor at the Department of Chemical Engineering and the Department of Bioengineering at University of Illinois in Chicago. She also has several awards, which are pretty amazing. She uh, was given the award for the uh, UIC Graduate Mentor in 2017. She also received the UIC Researcher and Scholar of the Year Award and the Rising Star Award 2016. She got an NSF Career Award, which is amazing, 2014 to 2019, 38 publications, three patents, and five pending patent applications. So the lab has been super busy and welcome um, to the three of you. Uh, it's really amazing to have you uh, joining us for the podcast. Thank you very much, Monica. Uh, it's our great pleasure and honor to be invited by the Sugar Science to talk about uh, our publication work a little bit. Yeah, we're really interested in your work. Um, it just recently was published. And let's, I guess, give us a little, you know, background, uh, thumbnail sketch of your interest in T1D and the work that brought you to this new paper, which is uh, heterogeneous toroidal spiral particles for islet encapsulation. How did you get to write this paper? Sure. Yeah, in general, um, my research group is interested in developing biofunctional particles for drug and therapeutic cell delivery. So in terms of uh, these uh, toroidal spiral particles, uh, we first started with the fluid dynamics of the shape formation and cross-link the droplet to generate the particles. Uh, and um, the, the the shape is quite interesting. It's very heterogeneous. Uh, has different part. Has lots of flexibility. Um, so interesting fluid dynamics problem as well. So besides being visual attractive, uh, these uh, large surface uh, interface of the torus particles provides unique advantages for molecular transport. So we immediately try to apply these particles or islets encapsulation. Why, um, why islets? <laughs> My interest in studying islets of Langerhans can be traced back to 2007 when I was a postdoc in Dr. Rustam Ismagilov's group at the University of Chicago. Um, back then, we developed a drop-based microfluidic device to stimulate and record the um, molecular signals of a single islets with uh, millisecond temporal resolution. So since then, I've been keeping close attention on the uh, treatment of uh, type 1 diabetes and uh, islets encapsulation. Uh, fortunately, I, uh, I was exposed to different disciplinary and um, 
interdisciplinaries of engineering, biophysics, and drug delivery. And this helped me to connect this particular technology with the application of eyelid encapsulation. Yeah, I think that's so important to have an interdisciplinary mindset, you know, taking these different tools and thinking about applications in different disease states or different scenarios. And it's, you know, it's sort of what you you're doing, right? Mariam is working on another aspect of this that we talked about offline. And Paula, I think also had a, she was working primarily on, on the eyelid aspect or another aspect. I was working on the fluid dynamics of how to do the particles for a start to make them more, make them faster and easier and to design it specifically for different type of cells, specifically for eyelids that are at large. And because we have developed this technology before, but it was a different method protocol and it might have been for a smaller type of cells or different, more for uh, drugs that are much, much smaller. And um, so I kind of focus on uh, making a, a new design and a different using a different protocol for these type of particles. Okay, I got it. And in 2018, you presented at the AICHE annual meeting, the toroidal spiral uh, particles for eyelid encapsulation, right? So that was when you really kind of brought it to, to the forefront of um, your, you know, your discipline. Yeah, correct. Prior to that, I uh, I presented how to make them, and and in that presentation, I showed them how like the preliminary results of how we use them for the eyelids. That's yes. perfect. So can let's just can you guys walk us through the paper? You know, I guess the first place to start would be, you know, this is the uh, the paper that just came out: heterogeneous toroidal spiral particles for eyelid encapsulation, and. Can we compare, contrast, maybe you could all speak to this, to current eyelet implant devices? Now, SEMA, right, is, uh, is a company uh, that grew out of the Harvard uh, group of Doug Melton. You know, uh, the company makes these eyelet cells and, um, from stem cells. And um, now it's been bought by Vertex, and they're hoping to make and, you know, to implant these, uh, these eyelets into people for eyelet encapsulation. And Viacite is another company in Southern California that is trying to do the same thing. But you guys have um, a very different approach. Can you kind of explain what, you know, what sets you apart from these other um, approaches? Yeah, sure. Um, yes, first of all, SEMA, the technology um, developed by SEMA um, is great. I think it will um, really advance this field of study tremendously. It solved the two fundamental problems of uh, limited donors of pancreases, limited uh, source of the cells for the transplant, and also um, immunosuppression problem as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, well, let me come back to our particles uh, first. Well, we, we, we say heterogeneous shape and we also described it as toroidal spiral shape. Uh, these shapes are not so easy to imagine if you don't see the photos and the schematic we, we put there. Um, so we also make the cover of the issue for biomaterial science for the publication 
Um, I hope the cartoon there we put on the cover will also help the audience to understand uh, what we mean toward those spiral shape. Um, but these particles are in isotropic as the interesting uh, chamber or layer. Um, so we utilize these uh, toroidal spiral internal layer to encapsulate uh, pancreatic islets in the layer uh, for potential treatment of uh, T1D. And of course, we are still very earlier stage compared to the technology SEMA. And um, another one you mentioned, a website developed that close to um, starting the clinical trials uh, uh, right now. Um, but the several advantages uh, for our particular uh, type of particles uh, for the design of uh, optimization of this uh, cell delivery system, um, mainly uh, two um, aspects. So first, uh, this shape of particles is very different from spherical shape. Um, but it's a self-assembly process. It's not a particular difficult to make that shape. And uh, well, uh, this spontaneous process, the process make it easy to set up and uh, scale up the production. And we don't need any molding template. And also we can precisely manipulate the fine shape of the particle to accommodate a large cell payloads and uh, distribute the islets, most of the islets, more than 90% near the outer layer or outer surface of the particle. Uh, so the molecular transport of the insulin and the glucose could be faster because the uh, shorter diffusion distance path uh, available to most of the encapsulated cells. So that's the first advantage. And the second advantage of these uh, particle is um, that uh, we could combine different materials merits to achieve the goal, the, the, the goal of uh, optimize the uh, encapsulation of islets. So in um, this work, uh, we uh, used the two commercially available and FDA approved polymers, polyethylene glycohydrogel and alginate. Um, so the, uh, well, uh, in particular, PAC here uh, forms the main matrix of the particle, which provides the optimal mechanical robustness for implantation and retrieval, and yet uh, sufficient softness to minimize um, foreign body response. Um, Islets then suspended in alginate were loaded into the internal toroidal spiral layer of the particle, which help to preserve cell viability and functionality, right? So we, we, we understand there could uh, um, more um, optimization to do, including the biomaterials to further uh, along uh, the um, viability and functionality and the, even the immune response as well. Um, but the design of the particle provides flexibility. So we could utilize those space. Also, yeah. I noticed the size of these TSPs, uh, toroidal spiral particles, TSPs, 
are very tiny, um, you know, one millimeter particles, right? And you had 160 IEQs, islet equivalents per TSP when you implanted them into these uh, C57BL6 mice. So, I mean, that's a little, you know, that's a pretty tiny um, container, isn't it? Yeah, that's a millimeter size uh, of reactor or um, container. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, for these, uh, it's about one to two millimeter. And uh, um, we can load up to 160 um, uh, right, uh, IEQ per, uh, per particle. And in general, um, we could do um, the at least uh, 100 IEQ per TSP, yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, very impressive. And I thought that, you know, when you show the diagram, the diagram really shows that it's it's almost like a shell structure, right? Where they're sort of hidden inside, the eyelets are hidden inside. Is that is that sort of, um, is that the mm -hmm. right kind of uh, visual? Kind of, you, you might have more room upside down, that it has like the the internal yeah. space similar to that. That yeah. we have the internal space covered by a shell, right? Yeah. yeah, it was really, really fascinating. Um, when I when I first saw the image, um, and I encourage everyone to look at this paper, it, it did remind me of sort of like a you know a cut through of a shell, and it was very uh, very interesting how you designed this. And when you I I read from the paper that the cell had the cells. Um, the islets basically had excellent viability. You did an intraperitoneal implant, which is very uh, popular these days, even in humans. And there was a four weeks tolerance with minimal inflammation, which is pretty impressive. It's really great. Thank you, Monica. Yeah, yeah, we encouraged by the promising uh, results as well. Um, but we understand uh, uh, we need to do a lot more work to really bring it uh, to clinical applications. Yeah. When you talk, when we talk about, you know, in, this in, um, you know, tweaking things to uh, optimize, you know, the actually, I guess the structure or it's, it's, it's residence really is what we, what we probably have to talk about is that, can you imagine a protocol uh, to wipe out local information entirely using your, your TSPs and, you know, I guess, can you comment a little bit on best practices for how you're going to get it into or how you would envision getting it into a, a larger organism and its retrieval? Uh, yeah, um, those are great questions. So, so um, for, to, for the uh, wipe up the local inflammation entirely, um, we... Um, well, for short term, so immediately what we're going to try, uh, probably two things. So one thing is from the material, biomaterial point of view. For example, uh, Daniel Anderson's group uh, modified this alginate and they show that uh, after the um, modified alginate, uh, it reduced the fibrotic reaction and a bunch of other immune reaction as well. So um, we probably will, um, instead of using commercial available, just purchase, uh, we probably need 
uh, more pure alginate or algin um, derivative of alginate to further improve the biocompatibility and reduce the inflammation uh, reaction. Uh, uh, another thing we uh, tried already, so there's uh, both Paula and uh, Miriam had tried as uh, also coating a very thin layer less than uh, tens of uh, micrometers of zororonic polymers uh, on top of these uh, polyethylene glycohydrogels. And uh, we haven't tried that in vivo yet, but the girls uh, put them into a bacteria solutions and uh, showing that uh, less uh, absorption of a protein and uh, um, much less the growing of bacteria for long-term period of time. And that's, that's uh, yeah. No, that's really interesting. Um, that's an interesting approach. I hadn't heard of anyone trying with this iron. Yeah, the zoidoronic polymer uh, is uh, interesting. Um, we got some promising results, uh, and we need to further understand the mechanisms as well. And uh, uh, we also know for these protections using capsules or our particles, uh, um, the matrix, the pore size is too big to prevent any free radicals generated from immune cells. Um, well, we can certainly um, prevent it, uh, the, the big molecules, the antibodies to attach on the islets, but uh, the free radicals would probably need, uh, instead of a physical approach, maybe chemical approach. And the, the toroidal spiral particle, the advantage is that uh, we have these polymer matrix and we can um, co-encapsulate other chemicals to neutralize uh, maybe the free radicals uh, for that sense as well. Um, yeah, that's our future work. These are probably immediately we're going to try. Yeah. You yeah, know. that's very interesting. And I mean, how difficult are these systems to work with? Um, I guess maybe the grad students can weigh in because they've got their hands on them. I mean, are you, you know, is it a very difficult system? Do you, uh, or do you find this, uh, you know, not so, not so difficult? in terms of making these particles? Uh, I, I guess Paula and Marion probably don't feel that's difficult. They, they mm -hmm. can make hundreds of them easily. But yeah, let me know if I'm wrong, Paula and Miriam. Um, But then certainly uh, when a new student come to the group, but then they will need to work um, with them to first uh, try to produce them. Um, I, I, I don't think it's really difficult uh, to make them. And the, um, that we have to, uh, I have to thank Paula because uh, she um, really figured out the fundamental fluid dynamics, uh, how to control them once you set up the, the parameters correct. Uh, and that's a continuous process. And then you, you keep like the syringe running and uh, the UV lamp flashing at certain distance. But uh, certainly when the initial period when Paula worked it out, uh, uh, the uh, physics behind it to control the shape, uh, um, that took us some time. Yeah, that, that's correct. Uh, once we find out what were the conditions that we needed to uh, create the shape, everything after that was pretty uh, easy and really fast to do. So. 
um, yeah, at the beginning, it took some time to figure out. And we have one paper, uh, we are working on uh, finalizing the details on to take the paper out of how to do this one specifically, because we have done this uh, shape also before. Uh, but yeah, once you figured out that out, uh, after that, producing them is really quick and, and uh, it, it's pretty easy to, uh, to learn. Okay, that's really interesting. I'm gonna skip ahead and then I'm gonna come back to the grad students for their, in terms of mentorship. But I want to ask you guys, and you know, currently TSPs provide a platform for encapsulation and release of multiple therapeutic compounds. Like there's a model system um, for anti-VEGFR2 antibody and arenotechon for treatment of glioblastoma multiform that, you know, is, that uses TSPs. It worked for about a week. Um, and so are you, um, you know, this, this system, I think this is the first foray of anyone using the TSPs to address diabetes. And uh, can you imagine that it might be helpful for other autoimmune conditions? Right. So um, Miriam currently is working on T-cell delivery. So mm. we, we, we encapsulated CAR T-cells um, into these um, particles, uh, uh, which is uh, uh, slightly or uh, actually different from Alice encapsulation from the design point of view, right? So yeah. um, in, in, that, in, in that case, it's not a, a container, it's a mini reactor. So we let the CAR T cells, the T cells uh, keep growing inside the um, this mini uh, particle or reactor and and the release from the particle as well. Um, well, in that sense, uh, we, we have another paper uh, published a couple months ago about the CAR T cell delivery and uh, encapsulation the de uh, delivery. In that case, for example, you encapsulate uh, um, um, like 0.5 million number of uh, T cells into the particle and you can uh, after 30 days uh, actually release uh, um, 3 million of cells right and uh, again we we use the fine structure of these particles to uh, control the release rate so when we could have a burst release as at the beginning then uh, a sustained release for two, three or four weeks in, in that sense as well. Um, well, right now we're trying to uh, use that technology to for the treatment, mainly we aim at a solid tumor, right? So the CAR-T have been successful for some sense for liquid tumor, but uh, solid tumors still have uh, several barriers and difficulty to achieve uh, the treatment uh, efficacy as the liquid tumor. So in that case, uh, uh, because the TSP can provide mechanical robustness, so we have, uh, we hope to shoot these particles uh, to the uh, solid tumor and uh, uh, burst the release and sustain release the CAR T cells as well. This, yeah, this is fascinating. I mean, this is a really interesting tool that you guys are working with. Um, I wanted to just shift gears for a little bit. And, you know, I would like to, you know, 
highlight the fact that you've got two grad students working really hard on the project. And I mean, can you comment, uh, you know, Paula and Miriam, how important it was to you um, each to have a, as a young female scientist, to have a strong, you know, mentor uh, well, with Dr. Liu here? Well, it's very important because it's very inspiring uh, because it motivates you continuously to, to work and to excel doing your, your job. It's, uh, as um, Professor Liu has achieved a lot and it's like motivate us to, for, uh, to us to do the same, to continue the work as well. That's really nice. Miriam, do you wanna offer anything? Of course, I mean, it was my honor to be part of this lab um, under Professor Liu's supervision. And uh, yes, um, well, besides being knowledgeable and super successful in her career, uh, she was always, yes, inspiring and always listened constructively to us. Uh, we always had our voice and she was always listening, um, like um, listening to our ideas, give us the opportunity to put them in use in the lab, make mistakes and learn from our mistakes. And I um, myself pretty enjoyed this process and I learned a lot. That's fantastic. What a tribute um, to you, Ying. I think it's amazing um, that you've built such a high level of um, young scientists here doing wonderful things and, you know, kind of, um, you know, especially for March is the, you know, Women's History Month and, uh, you know, sort of circling the wagons uh, with women in the laboratory and, and showing uh, how much can get done when women are at the bench. So um, I guess I just wanted to, you know, say that this has just uh, been so interesting. I really cannot wait to see what you do next. Um, is there anything, what's ahead? Are you looking for graduate students? Um, you know, anything of that nature? Do you want to comment on that? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'm excited to push this forward as well. Um, yeah, I... I'm so glad to have uh, these girls in my lab. So I got the Graduate Mentor Award and uh, the Dean of the Graduate School said they, um, my students wrote a letter to highly support me. And I really appreciate that, but I feel what they taught me and um, um, about the technology, uh, about the, their work is more than what I taught them. So it's been really um, my pleasure to be able to have students and uh, to work with these young people um, on interesting uh, things we're interested in. And like you said, Monica, that um, I, I just feel, uh, I, I hope the girls don't get, give up pursuing that their academic or any professional career. And look at the, the Nobel Prize uh, of Physics and Chemistry last year. And uh, I, I was encouraged. And it's, um, and I want to say that everything is possible, right? Uh, so for these uh, uh, toroidal spiral particles, uh, uh, with the ex uh, we're more confident with the non-living things, the engineering aspect. Um, well, so next step, uh, we uh, from the engineering point of view, so we we'll probably want to further demonstrate uh, 
reproducibility and uh, scalability of this process. And uh, reproducibility is important here, right? So again, Paula worked on that a lot. We, we can really control the fine structure. So the structure we're showing here, um, then Paula has the image uh, didn't show on that paper. She has hundreds of particles that they look identical, not just the alike. Then she measures the the important dimensions that they have very small error. And um, for the uh, next step for us from engineering point of view, um, we probably want to demonstrate uh, the scalability. Although conceptually, we worked on, on it. Uh, for example, our previous publications about the interactions of the droplet. Um, that gives a guideline of uh, how to use the uh, arrays of uh, capillaries for simultaneous generation of um, many of these particles. Um, but for us, things on my wishing list is uh, not short either. So uh, the best way um, for us will be um, if we uh, have more people biologists, the cell biologists and the surgeons interested in our work and would like to uh, collaborate you know, with us, uh, providing cells uh, either these uh, beta cells uh, derived from stem cells or genetically modified uh, porcine uh, neonatal outlets. So if we have more chance to work on these cells, uh, you know, modified cells or all the uh, separated cells uh, and uh, um, demonstrated in um, either rodent or even bigger animals uh, will make this development uh, a lot faster, right? So yeah, for sure. And it is interesting. Next week, we have a podcast with um, a, a new biotech startup called Ensolin out of University of Pittsburgh with Hans Solinger. He's proposing, um, and we'll, he'll tell you more, he'll disclose more when we talk to him, but he's proposing sort of tweaking the hepatocytes to actually sort of stay undercover and be sort of just really in the liver, you know, the por you know, portal vein. Um, and I was just thinking about that and imagining that this, you know, what you're doing here could be an interesting, uh, there could be an interesting uh, collaboration there. It's really, um, because, you know, it, it would be very interesting to explore uh, different cell types in, in, inside these TSPs or, you know, different uh, residences for them, you know, and, and things like that. So yeah, when you say, you know, when you're talking about collaborations, I'm, I think there's a, a wealth of that out there. I think even Mingling Ma at Cornell Weill Center is mm -hmm. doing some interesting things too. So yeah, I, for sure. Um, I hope we can, I, I'd be happy to connect you with some of these folks too, if you have interest. Yeah, thank you very much. So we're so glad and honored to be invited by Sugar Science. And I've been browsing the information on your website and listening many podcasts to catch up. Oh, that's yeah. great. Well, I'm, I'm, we're really excited to feature you all and to um, follow your um, your work and see where it goes. I think there's great things ahead for your group. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you very much, Monica. Yeah. Thank you.
Thank you all and good luck to you all.